With Hashem's assistance, we are learning about Bakama Daf Pei Vav, page 86. We begin on the bottom of Pei Hei, and we base four lines from the bottom. Boi Raba. Raba asks the following question. Sheves HaBachsosavidam, if you have a case where somebody has a lack of work, and it also involves uh, a lowering of value of the person, meaning there was a damage that was caused to this person, and it lowered him in value, but not permanently. We're going to see exactly what the case is. The question is, what's going to be the halach in such a case? Hey, Chidami. What's the case? For example, where he was struck on his hand, and his hand became wounded. But it's going to come back to the way it was before he's going to get back the use of his hand. My, what do we say? Since in the end, it's going to return to its previous use. So he doesn't have to pay him at all. Or perhaps, right now, if you would try to sell this guy as a slave, so he wouldn't be sold for the same amount of value as he was able to be sold before, or the same amount of value that he's going to be sold for later when everything is returns to normal. So what's the halacha? Does he have to pay him for the current loss of value? Tashima. So we bring a proof from the following. Hamake Someone strikes his father or his mother, or his mother, but he didn't make a wound. And it's important that he didn't make a wound, because if he did make a wound, then there would be a chi of misa, there would be an obligation for death, and there would be no obligation to pay for any kind of damages. But in this case, there was no wound, so there will be, as we'll see, an obligation to pay for damages. Or somebody who strikes his friend on Yom Kippur, there's an obligation to pay for all of the five different damages. Sigmar says, what's the case over here where you didn't create a wound? Perhaps it is, similar to our question, that he struck him on his hand, and he's going to get better. And we see that there is an obligation to pay for the damages, even though the damages are impermanent. Amri, so we say like this, you can't prove anything because we could just as well say that what's the case? That he made him deaf and he didn't make any kind of wound. So Gemara says, wait. We find that Rabbi said that someone who causes his father to become deaf, so that child is killed. Why? Because it's impossible to cause deafness to one's father without creating a wound. It must have been, even though you didn't see it, that there was a drop of blood that fell inside of his ear. So therefore, so you can't sit at the cases where he caused his father to become deaf, and therefore there's no wound, because we find that a person would be killed, and there would be no obligation to pay for the, fa- the five different damages. Because we would say, once you're getting a greater punishment, which is death, so you don't have to pay for the monetary damages. says, what are we talking about over here? We could say that the case is where he went down in value because he shaved off his father's hair. So the says, that when his hair is shaved off, it's going to come back. So that's exactly our question. And this, therefore, it would be a proof that if you cause someone to go down in value impermanently, or you cause damage impermanently, so you're going to have to pay for that damage, even though it's going to come right back. Amri, so we say like this, you can't prove it, because you could just as well say that. What are we talking about over here? That how did he make the damage? Why is there an obligation to pay? Because he used some kind of cream that causes the hair to fall out permanently. It doesn't return. So we go through all the different types of damages that are caused in this case. First of all, you have the wounds that are inflicted upon his head when you put this cream on, so it causes wounds. And he's screaming from these wounds. So you have the pain. Because you have to heal these wounds that were created by the cream. Shaves, the loss of work. What was the loss of work for such a person? So this was a person that we're speaking about over here that his job was to go to the marketplaces and to dance around move his head in a funny way, in a comical way, and that's how he would uh, get Parnassi, he would get his livelihood. So now that he has these pains on his head, he can't do that. So 
got to pay for that. The Boyamachvi Gvoni Aresha, because what he used to do, his job was to show different movements with his head. Boyamachvi can't do that anymore, Mehani Kartufni, because of these pains, these wounds. Boyshets, what's the embarrassment that you have to pay for? In the Chaboyshets Golomizeh, there's no greater embarrassment when someone loses all of his hair. He's become completely bald. And this question that Rabbi asked was actually obvious to Abaye, like one side of the question, and, and according to Rava, it was obvious to him, like the other side of the question, the Itmar, it was stated, he called if someone was struck on his hand and the wound grew, but the hand is going to return to its previous healthy state, Abaye Omar, Abaye says, so how do we determine this damage to the hand? First you pay him based on how much he's gone down in value if he would be sold as a slave. We do, in fact, evaluate it that way. But you also pay for the value that he's lost as far as his work is concerned, because he can't be a cabbage patch worker right now, now that he's in a hospital. Rav says that the way we determine the value of the hand is not based on how much he'd be worth if he was sold now as a slave, but rather, we give him the value, we reimburse him for his loss by paying him whatever he would usually be getting to work, not as a cabbage patch worker, but rather his normal job. Itmar was stated, If someone chops off the hand permanently of someone else's Jewish slave, So Abayi says, So the Shevis Gidoyla, the value of that hand, if he were to be sold as a slave, that money goes to the slave himself. However, the value of the loss of work, that goes to the master, because the master is the one who has rights to the work itself. Rav Amar Rav says, All of the money goes to the slave, and he takes a piece of, he buys a piece of property with that money. And the Rav, the master, so what he gets is the benefit of whatever fruit it produces. Or he can use that piece of land as long as the slave belongs to him. So Gemara says now something else. Pshita, it's obvious, the following. If let's say there was only a loss in regards to the slave himself. But there wasn't any loss in regards to the master. What's the case? The For example, where he chopped off the top of his ear or the ration or the front of his nose, so all the money for that damage goes to the slave himself. And it's only where there's also a loss in regards to the master, for example, where he, he can't work anymore, chopped off his arm. So then that involves the argument of Abai and Rava, how we're going to get the money also to the master. The Gemara continues. So in regards to embarrassment, so everything goes according to the person who caused the embarrassment and the person who got embarrassed. Different people have different levels of embarrassment based on who's embarrassing them, who's the person that's getting embarrassed. Money Masnison, who's our mission? Later, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Behuda. The mission is not Rabbi Meir, it's not Rabbi Huda. Elder Rabbi Shimon, it seems to be Rabbi Shimon. To Tana, we have a Mishnah. So the Tanakama, which is going to be Rabbi Meir, so he says that every single person, doesn't matter who they are, doesn't matter if they're rich, they're poor, we view them like a person who is a free person. That has no money. That they are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did Rabbi Meir? Rabbi Meir says everyone is created equal. We look at everyone equally, whether they're rich, whether they're poor. It's all the same. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says, If a person is greater, so you view him based on his greatness. If a person is a lesser person, you view him based on his lesser status. Rabbi Shimon, I mean, Rabbi Shimon says that you don't make everyone equal, but you also don't view him based on his current normal status. Ashirim, if he's a rich person, we just view him like a person who's a free person, but he has no money. 
If someone's poor, so we view him obviously as if he's poor, but on a lower status than the ones who are rich. So basically, he's making them closer in level, but they're still on different levels. So, hash the money. So now, who is our Mishnah? So the Mishnah says that there's a difference in different levels. Rabbi Meir holds that they're all the same. If it's Rabbi Yehuda, while it's true that he distinguishes between different levels, and so does our Mishnah, the Mishnah says that someone who embarrasses a blind person, there's going to be an obligation to pay for that. But Rabbi Yehuda says that a person who's blind, so it doesn't apply the concept of embarrassment in regards to him. So we see that Rabbi Yehuda is not like our Mishnah. So it must be that it's Rabbi Shimon. So when our Mishnah says that there's a distinction between different levels, so it's like Rabbi Shimon says that we view everyone, we kind of equalize them to a certain extent, but the rich person, so he's considered like a ben a person who has no money, and then the poor person is considered on a slightly lower level. That's how we determine it. So Gemara says, hold on a second, it could be that we could even say that our Mishnah is indeed like Rabbi Yehuda. When does Rabbi Yehuda say that a blind person, so embarrassment doesn't apply to him? That's when we're talking about taking money from him. And when a blind person embarrasses someone else, so that embarrassment is not significant. Rabbi Yehuda would agree that as far as giving him money, he does have embarrassment, he does get embarrassed. So that's how we can make a distinction between where the Mishnah says that there's an obligation, that's where the person himself, the blind person, has gotten embarrassed. And when Yehuda says that there's no obligation, that's talking about where he has caused embarrassment. So the Gemara says, hold on a second, it says in the end of the Mishnah, that if someone embarrasses someone who's sleeping, there's an obligation to pay for that. The Yashin should be but someone who's sleeping and he causes embarrassment, Potter. There's no obligation. But it doesn't make the same distinction in regards to a blind person. That if a blind person causes embarrassment, that there's no obligation to pay. We can deduce the that makes no difference whether we're talking about the blind person causing embarrassment or him getting embarrassed. The Mishnah holds it in any event there is an obligation. So it's clear that the Mishnah is only like Rabbi Shimon and it does not work out like Rabbi Yehuda. The Gemara continues. Who is the Tana of these three that we just mentioned who will fit into the following bryson? Let's say someone intends to embarrass a small person and it's not clear if this means a minor or someone who doesn't have so much money. The Gemara at the beginning is going to assume that it means that a person who doesn't have so much money. Let's say he intended to embarrass somebody who doesn't have so much money. Instead, he embarrassed a great person, a person who has a lot of money. So he has to give to the person who's the great person the value of the embarrassment, of the person that he intended to cause embarrassment to, which was the, the small person, the person who doesn't have so much money. If he intended to embarrass a slave, but instead he embarrassed somebody who's free, so all he gives, the value that he pays off, is the value of the embarrassment of a slave. Money. So the Gemara says, who is this? Larry Mayer. It doesn't seem to be Rabbi Mayer, but Rabbi Yehuda, not Rabbi Yehuda, but Rabbi Shimon, and not Rabbi Shimon. We think at this point, that a, a small person, what does it mean? It means a person who doesn't have so much money. God always means a great person. God means a person who has a lot of money. If we're talking about Rabbi Mayer, didn't he say, that we consider everyone to be equal? So, and here we're saying that there is a distinction between a person who has a lot of money and a little money. And then we're talking about Rabbi Yehuda, he said, that slaves, we don't consider the embarrassment that they have. And therefore, we couldn't talk about the amount of money that you would have had to pay to a slave. And if it's Rabbi Shimon, he holds that if you intend to embarrass one person, but instead you embarrass a different person, there's no obligation to pay at all. My time, what's the reason for Rabbi Shimon? Why does he say that? Because we compare embarrassment to killing someone. Just like in regards to killing someone, 
Adam is and there's no obligation to be killed until you intend to kill that person. Because the verse says, that you shall lie in wait and you shall come upon him to kill him. There's no obligation to be killed until you intend for that person. So, also in regards to embarrassing someone, until you have intended to embarrass that person. Because the verse says, the verse that's talking about embarrassment talks about a woman who sticks at her hand and, he, and she grabs on to the private parts of a man. And it refers to it as embarrassing him. And we see from the verse that she did it intentionally, in an intentional way. So until there's intention, there's no obligation. If she meant to do one person, but she ended up touching someone else, embarrassing someone else, there wouldn't be an obligation. So it can't be Rabbi Shimon either. It could be that we could really say that it is Rabbi Yehuda. When does Rabbi Yehuda say, that slaves do not have embarrassment? What does it mean that it doesn't apply to them? That's in regards to giving them money. We don't give them money. But as far as in trying to figure out how much money this person should have to give to the person that he ended up embarrassing, which was a ben a person who was free, so we can indeed evaluate, we can ask the slave, how much would you be willing to take to be embarrassed like this? And based on that value, that's how much the person who did the embarrassing is going to have to pay to the person who's a ben who's free. Another possibility, we can say it fits in with Rabbi Meir. Who says that when we're talking about a great person, it means a person who has a lot of money? When we're talking about a small person, it means a person who doesnn't have so much money. No. When we talk about a great person, it means literally an adult. When we talk about a small person, it means literally a minor. And even Rabbi Meir would agree that there is a distinction between the embarrassment that's experienced by a minor as opposed to the embarrassment that it's experienced by an adult. They have different values. So now the Gemara challenges the cotton bar, but just is a minor somebody who we can uh, reckon with his embarrassment? And the Gemara says, yes, it's, it is true. Just like Rapapa is going to say later on in a different context, that we find that embarrassment does apply in regards to a minor. If he gets embarrassed, he's a sensitive young person. So to over here, we can say that the case is onto the top of page 86b, that we're talking about a person, a young person, who theoretically, he would get embarrassed, he's very sensitive, and therefore there is a value to his embarrassment. We begin the Mishnah. If you embarrass somebody who's naked, you embarrass somebody who's blind, and you embarrass somebody who's sleeping, there's an obligation to pay for that. But a person who's sleeping who embarrass someone else, there's an obligation for that person to pay, the person who's sleeping. If let's say someone falls off the roof, and he causes damage, and he embarrass someone, so there's an obligation on the damage, but in regards to the embarrassment, there's no obligation, there's only an obligation to pay for embarrassment, if there's intention to embarrass. We begin the Gemara. Tanaraman, we learned in the Baisa. Baisha Aram, if someone embarrasses somebody who's naked, Chayyab, there's an obligation to pay for that. It's not comparable to somebody who embarrasses somebody who's naked as opposed to embarrassing somebody who's completely clothed. Again, if you embarrass somebody while they're in the bathhouse and they don't have clothes on, there's an obligation to pay for that embarrassment. And it's not comparable to somebody who's embarrassing somebody when they're in the bathhouse as opposed to embarrassing somebody in public. We said previously that if you embarrass somebody who's naked, there's an obligation to pay. The Gemara asks if this person is walking around without clothes on, is it considerable his embarrassment? Obviously, he's not embarrassed to walk around without clothes on. What can you possibly embarrass him greater? Papa says, My Arum, what's the case over here where we're talking about that he's naked? That a wind had come and rolled up his clothes. And then this person came along and rolled them up even further. And then he embarrassed him even more. So that's why there's an obligation to pay. 
say. So we said that there's an obligation to pay for embarrassment that was done in a bathhouse. So if he's in a place which is a bathhouse, so it's normal for people to walk around without clothes on there. So where's he going to be embarrassed over there? Papa, so Papa says, We're actually talking about a case where he was embarrassed when he was right next to the river. And I think the understanding of this is, it wasn't like a place where there were many people gathering to, to bathe, and therefore he was there by himself, and he was bathing. And when you come along and you embarrass him there, so he's not expecting, he's not expecting anyone to be there at all. So your embarrassment is significant. But Rabbi Avramar Marmel. Rabbi Avramar Marmel asks the following question. Let's say you embarrass somebody who was sleeping. And then, before he woke up, in order to realize that he was embarrassed, he died. What's going to be the halacha? Sigmar says, what exactly is this question? Amar explains. This is a question. Is the issue because of his self-esteem that's lowered? Meaning it's because of he himself. It's something that's subjective. And this guy, so now he's dead. So therefore, he never even realized that he had gotten embarrassed. And therefore, he shouldn't have to pay. Maybe it has to do with the esteem in regards to all the people around. And as far as people who are around and see this embarrassment that occurred, so you've lowered his esteem steam in the eyes of others, and therefore you would have to pay, even though he died and he never knew that he got embarrassed. Tashimas, we try to bring a proof as false. Rabbi Meir, Amir Rabbi Meir says, If you have a person who's deaf or a person who's a minor, we do apply the concept of embarrassment in regards to them. But a person who's a fool, a person who's psychotic, let's say, so there's no embarrassment in regards to them. Now, if we say that it makes sense, that it has to do with something which is extrinsic, which has to do with the esteem of others in regards to him, so that's how we can talk about a minor, because the minor himself maybe perhaps doesn't have the ability to be embarrassed. So his self-esteem doesn't really matter so much, or it, he doesn't realize that he got embarrassed. But there is embarrassment, or there's a lowering of esteem in regards to those around. So that's how we can talk about that a minor does have embarrassment. But if we're talking about the self-esteem of the person himself, does a minor have the ability, or does he, is he sensitive enough to become embarrassed? So the says, what are you going to say? It, it is because of the fact that he's getting lowered in the esteem in the eyes of, the, of others around. So then if that's the case, so also in regards to the person who's Psychotic. Why doesn't he have boishas? He could get lowered in the eyes of those around, even if he himself doesn't realize that he's gotten embarrassed. Amri, so he said like this, that once a person is already psychotic, a person who's is a fool, is crazy, so there's no greater embarrassment than that. He can't get lowered greater in the eyes of others. Sigmar says, in any event, we should be able to deduce from here that the issue has to do with the fact that he's getting embarrassed, he's being lowered in the eyes of those around. Because as we said, if it has to do with the person's self-esteem himself, is a minor somebody who can have embarrassment. says, yes, a minor could have embarrassment, like Rapapa says, that uh, we're talking about a cotton minor who is sensitive enough that he gets embarrassed if he's embarrassed. So we can say, just like Rapapa says that elsewhere, here too we can say that it, that it would apply as well, that we're talking about a minor who gets embarrassed. Rapapa says, the original question that we asked in regards to somebody who was embarrassed who was sleeping and then he died, so he never became aware of the embarrassment, so that question is as follows. Is this something that has to do with a personal embarrassment that has to do with a guy himself? He's dead, and therefore we don't care about the personal insult. Or maybe there's something that has to do with the family. You're embarrassing this person, and it's a shame on his family. So let's bring a proof. If you have a person who's deaf or a minor, so we do apply the concept of embarrassment. But if we're talking about a person who is insane, so we don't apply the 
concept of embarrassment. If we're talking about an embarrassment of the family, that's so we can talk about embarrassment in regards to a minor. But if it has to do with the embarrassment, his personal embarrassment, cotton bar so can a minor have embarrassment? So the Gemara says, so what are we saying here? We're saying that it has to do with the embarrassment of the family. So that could also apply to a person who's insane. So the Gemara says, no. The, the family is already embarrassed as far as it can go by the fact that they have a family member who's insane. Mikom Malkam Zagmar says, in any event, Nishem, you know, we can deduce from the Mishim Baishas Meshpacha that the issue here has to do with embarrassment of the family. The Mishim Kisufu, Katan Bar Kisufu, because if it has to do with personal embarrassment, can a minor be embarrassed personally? Amar Papa says, Papa says, and this is where he says it, in, indeed, the Michlemu Le Umichlam. We're talking about a minor who's sensitive, and he does get embarrassed when he is embarrassed. Vihotanya, and we actually have a Bryce that proves this. Rebbe, I mean, Rebbe says, A person who's deaf, you can apply the concept of embarrassment in regards to him. A person who's insane, you can't apply the concept of embarrassment to him. Cotton, in regards to a minor, there are times when he does get embarrassed, and times when we don't apply it. How does that work? If he gets embarrassed, he's sensitive enough, then we apply the concept of embarrassment. But if he doesn't get embarrassed, he's not that sensitive, so then we don't apply the concept of embarrassment to him. The Gemara continues. I'm a vicious assumer of a chuli. We said in the Mishnah, if you embarrass a, a blind person, so there's an obligation to pay for his embarrassment. There is embarrassment in regards to a blind person. As Nisan the Lake of Yehuda. So our Mishnah is not like a Yehuda. The tiny way of a Brisa, Rabbi Yehuda, Amir Yehuda says, Suma in Leibayshis. The concept of embarrassment does not apply to a blind person. The Kacha Yehuda Poiter Mechavik Golius. And Rabbi Yehuda also said in regards to blind people, so if, let's say, he killed someone unintentionally, he doesn't have to go off and run to an ear Mikla to a city of refuge. Umechavik Malkius. And also there's no obligation for him to get. Malchus to get lashes and also in regards to a normal case where there's an obligation to be killed by a court it doesn't apply to a blind person my time there how does he know first of all that it applies in our case that a blind person there is no embarrassment because he learns that it says the word Ayin, the word eyes, in regards to Adam Zamamim, those were the, the witnesses who get what they attempted when their person becomes contradicted. So there, a blind person can't be a witness, and uses the word Ayin, eyes there, and also uses the word Ayin over here. Mahasam sumin lai, just like over there, meaning by Adam Zamamim, the, the witnesses who the person got contradicted, that it doesn't apply in regards to a blind person. sumin lai. So to over here, in regards to embarrassment, Rabbi Huda holds that a blind person is not included in this concept. Mechai Vigalis, how do we know that this is also true in regards to them going off if they kill unintentionally that there's an obligation to go to an ear to a city of refuge the time we have a the verse says that when the person killed unintentionally he didn't see so this comes to exclude a blind person because the implication is that normally he could see just happens to be in this case he didn't see and that's how he ended up killing him but a blind person who can never see is not included these are the words of Yehuda Rebimeir says no the rabbi says actually the blind person is included in that which the verse refers to and Rebimeir holds that a blind person who kills unintentionally would indeed have to run off to a city of refuge my time what's the reason of Rebbe because he says like this, and the verse says that two people came in, one person came along with his friend into a forest, and he was coming to chop wood. So at this point in the verse, so even a blind person is included in the verse, there's no exclusion. So now in the verse says, without seeing, implicating that there, that uh, the person normally does see them, so that's coming to exclude. The Rabbi Meir, what does Rabbi Meir hold? He holds that a blind person is included, has he know that? So you have this exclusion from the word without being able to see. And then it says again another exclusion, which is that he did it without knowledge. So so you have one exclusion after another. So whenever you have one exclusion after another, so it's actually coming to include. 
That's why Rabbi Meir holds that a blind person also will have to run off to an ear mikl, to a city of refuge if he kills unintentionally. Rabbi Yehuda, so what does Rabbi Yehuda do with the second verse? Hahubi Lidas, that verse that implies that there was a lack of knowledge, it's coming to exclude a person who killed intentionally. If someone killed intentionally, so then he's not going to be able to go off to a city of refuge because he has to be killed. Chavim, says Bezin, how does Rabbi Yehuda know that blind people are excluded from obligations of death through a court? So he has the word murderer, both in the place, both in the verses that are speaking about unintentional killing, and also in regards to intentional killing. So just like in regards to unintentional killing, he excludes a blind person, so through regards to intentional killing, the blind person is also excluded. Chavim Malkius, how does he know that a blind person is excluded in regards to lashes? So he learns that from the fact that it says the word evil person, both in regards to someone who's getting killed through a court and in regards to someone who's getting lashes. So just like in regards to someone who's getting killed in a court, we don't apply that to a blind person, so too it will be true in regards to someone who's getting lashes. Well, the Shamsat will continue from here in the next Daily Daf.